Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. This meeting is being recorded. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and here is Mr. John Morris with our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Working Class Fishing. And this episode is brought to you by Lid Rig. 317 Flies, that's our new sponsor. That's Justin Carnes. Go check him out. He's out of Indiana. He's tying musky bugs, pike bugs, trout, smallmouth, you name it. He's he's whipping them up and they're absolutely gorgeous and they catch a lot of fish, which is the most important part. So go check him out. We've got Max and Outfitters. And um, Brian, who am I missing? Good question. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it. Well, I'll, we'll get back to it at the end. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i don't have a script in front of me but you, got, yeah. you don't have that guy anymore anyway <laughs> yeah exactly he's gone <laughs> well if you don't recognize that voice and you live under a rock and you're gonna crawl out from under your rock for a little bit here for the next hour because who we have with us today is a author uh he's also an instructor and a guide and he's a legend in the fly fishing community and he's gonna probably be like okay well that was a bunch of bullshit but if you don't recognize his voice, that's your own fault because we have Mr. Kelly Gallup with us today. This is a huge moment in the history of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I know it's big for me. It's huge for John, Mr. Streamer guy. And uh, we just want to say, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time this evening to come on and talk to us. Hey, my pleasure, man. Can't wait. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. And- I was just going to say I had to put my shrine away so it wasn't all creepy. <laughs> John, get, go get that really quick. Oh, he, oh he's, he's seen it. So, oh, so okay. The, the picture of you, you know, praying oh, the one. as the meat <laughs> messiah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Craig actually made that. And uh, that, I guess that was up in your shop for a while. But... Yeah. One of my guy, one of my managers, Chris, he's always surfing that shit and finding it. And, that thing literally was behind me filming for almost a month. I never looked back there. Shit. I mean, <laughs> and it, somebody I, I commented on a YouTube thing and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? And I saw it and there was this thing that they had been there for a long time. Then he, he, he just redid it. It's somebody else. Now it's Chuck Norris with two dungeons coming out of the pistol. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, you know, I walk in and there's right beside it's a picture of Bill Devane flipping everybody off. So it's, I just look at it. <laughs> right on. What man. you really got to see is the Shave Merkin Award above it. Yeah, that one's even better from the East Rosebud Fly Guys. It's a, uh, you'll, I'll, I'll, I'll show you when I'll take a picture and send it sometime. Oh, please. Do. <laughs> we got to see that. Dude, so. Kelly, really, just thanks for coming on, man. And like, I'm sure everyone knows the the story of Kelly Gallup, but I've I've got a question because I've heard about it twice. How is the Abaco thing going? I sold it. No, no shit. Yeah, yeah. What a genius! I bought it 
uh, well, I was going to buy it a while back, but my neighbor and I bought it. And <clears throat> the first year we got hit with the Dorian, which sat there, it didn't hit us. It was actually 60 miles from us. And then the next two years were COVID and then somebody else wanted it. So we saw it's a, it was really a blast. It's a super fun place. It was a blast, but it really takes when you offshore lodges take somebody to be working them all the time. So uh, it should close in the next week. And so 11's bought it. So it'll be, oh, it'll, okay. be really, it'll be really cool because they're going to they're going to really doll it up. It's a really unique piece of property on the end of the island. So. So it's gone. Well, <laughs> yes, but, but did you get to do some fishing up there before? Uh, not before I bought it. I'd never been to Abaco, but then while I was there, but really not much either then because we were locked out for two years. No, yeah. shit. If you want to look at investments, just call me. I'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got to say, you know, um, I, I, I was doing all my, my homework and research, right. And doing all this stuff. And, you know, I, I read a lot of different things about what, what you had been doing and what you have done and everything. You started like in Michigan mm -hmm. as a teenager. And of course this is going over like every other 150 podcasts you've been on, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, what, what was intriguing to me, uh, you were, you were fishing like the great lakes trips, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, did you go after those steelhead? That's all I did for a long time. I mean, not only, I mean, everywhere, but uh, <clears throat> it's kind of how I got started, really. Um, you know, the whole streamer game's pretty new. When I started, you're talking in the 70s, right? And the selective trout trout strategies written by uh, Doug Swisher and Carl Richards, those guys were from Michigan. <clears throat> and all that shit was done there, right? Mm -hmm. So I started out my first trip, like when I was 15, uh, were trout trips and everything was really dry fly. Everything was dry fly. And then when I got a little bit older, I started, you know, I'd always, I think I caught my first steelhead when I was seven or eight, you know, they, they've been, uh, they've been in the great lakes forever. People didn't know it. My dad was actually a guide in 1940. He was the first guide on the PM. And I asked him once why, because our my grandparents have the headwaters of the Pier Marquette, which is the birthplace of the brown trout and all that. And I asked him, I said, how the hell could you not? Because they're really people didn't fish steelhead until the 60s, really. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, how the hell could you not have known these things were here? And he said, well, dumbass, we had a thing called a job. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so, and basically, Michigan was a clear cut, you know, it was a climax pine forest. And they clear cut it and there weren't many trees in the forties and stuff. So everything was running dirty. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, I started, I started guiding steelhead uh, when I was probably 16. And then that got the bug for the West coast and all that and BC and, you know, decades of that stuff too. Yeah. And, then, and the, hmm? Yeah. Well, and, and the reason why I ask about the steelhead mm -hmm. is, is because that's, that's like, the fish I love to fish for being oh, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. And and you just meant, you named off BC, which has some of the mega fish up there, you know? Oh man, um, I was a total junkie. Yeah. I was a total junkie. 
Yeah, I, I love it. And I just wondered, you know, about what time you got into them and then kind of that transition because um, it's just something, like you said, or like your dad said, <laughs> it, it'll literally draw you away from your job. That mm -hmm. that fish will take you away from your job. It'll take you away from a lot of things. Yeah. I've been, yeah. I've been married and engaged a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of marriages have ended because of that. I, I, I believe that there's a lot of uh, articles that begin with like, if you're going to fish for this fish, you better have a good divorce attorney. Yeah. There's a, a buddy of mine up there. He's from your neck of the woods. He and two of those guys, the first guys in on the Dean, they fixed winged in to the Dean before anybody was around, right? And then mm -hmm. hiked to their shit. Uh, he wrote it in his marital contract that he was going three weeks to the Dean, no matter, you know, hell or high water, babies and get whatever, it doesn't matter. And <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're hardcore, dude. It's, it's, uh, it was something. I and started boycotting your... though. I, when they changed those laws around, it pissed me off. So I boycotted, but they're, I'd probably still go back. One of my best friends still has a place on Mike Craig, who is one of the first, you know, if you read Trey Combs book, Mike's in there. Mike's who I fish BC with always and forever. He's got a place on the Bulkley and it drives me crazy. He's like, are you coming up? Uh, I'm still pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's might, a bit of marital advice right there. Put yeah, it into the contract. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. So you're pretty, do you still keep up with like uh, BASS and MLF and everything? Oh, completely. Yeah. Dude, what, what do you think about them going to the five fish format? I didn't like it. Do you? I don't, I, honestly, I think I, I, as the, you know, the guy that watches, mm -hmm. I like seeing them smoke a bunch of fish. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. I mean, well, I didn't, I, I don't, I liked all the, the original ML, uh, the rules, you know, the, I liked all the stuff. It was fun because I'm doing the same thing. I'm watching it. I mean, I haven't fished for bass and essentially for 20 years since I moved out here, but I'm still a junkie. And I'm watching like you, I want to see them smoke fish. I want to see the techniques. I, I want to see what they're doing here, what they're doing. And I, I just, I like seeing a lot of repetitive, you know, I, I'm a slow learner. I like to see it more than once. Dude, like the, the, the one that got me, not recently, but the one that like kind of got me hooked on watching it for a while. Now I must, I must be honest here. I haven't kept up with it as religiously. I, I got lost to the, the fly fishing world. Mm -hmm. and I'm slowly getting back to keeping up with that stuff again. I've, I've got some friends that are you can like, do both. you can yeah. do both. You won't turn to a pillar of salt. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, but what it was, it was watching Takahiro Omori. Mm. Uh, he yeah, just, he was, dude, he's a, he's a beast. Like Unreal. And he was just cranking them. Just absolutely just off this isolated point. And he was just cranking him off his shelf, and he won that tournament. And I've I watched that on YouTube like four or five times. It's, it's like two and a half, three hours long. Yeah. And, and it, but it's it was awesome, dude. I, I follow all – I don't follow him hardcore. I mean, I watch him. It's just what, as much as I can. I, I, it's about the only thing I've ever recorded in my life is so I can see him, you know, because I'm usually working. So I – but, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if – 
somebody asked me once, uh, you know, I, I used to tell people that I was a fast guy and they would, it was just kind of, especially with the fly dudes in the old days, it's not like that anymore. The kids, the new guys, they don't give a shit. They'll fish fly, they'll fish spin. They don't care what they're doing. And, but I told everybody, everything I've ever done in the streamer world's come from bass fishing. Every, the reason I wrote the book was Larry Nixon walking the dog. I was watching him walking the dog and he said, it's not, he says, you may do this when they're set up in dour, meaning they're set up deep from temperature. And he said, he said, it's a reactionary bite. They can't help themselves. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm on this. <laughs> you know, and it was, and then I went and tied up a stick bait and went to the Boardman River and tried it. And I really couldn't do it. It's kind of small river, kind of fast. And, and especially where I was at, which is uh, right by Mayfield Pond, which is the birthplace of the Adams fly. But and it's a little river, but I was trying to walk the dog, which, you know, I could do with a baitcaster, but obviously, but I couldn't because of the current. And I just started ripping on that thing, trying to do weird shit. And my biggest fish for a long time in the middle of the day, uh, a mid upper 20s fish ate it. And that's why we're talking. <laughs> I mean, it's all just walk, walking the dog. And by the way, back to the Bahamas, uh, if I have my way, I take a stick bait and I topwater barracuda all day. <laughs> Man, that sounds like fun. Give me, give me a five or seven inch spook and I could be happy as a pig and shit forever. I got bit by one last time I was down there. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I got a picture. I'll show it to you. It was... Uh, <laughs> I was I was out walking in front of the lodge. Let's see if I can find this picture. I was walking in front of the lodge, killing time, waiting for Kip, uh, my neighbor, my partner in the business, and he uh, he was in. I don't know what the hell he was doing, and I was in there out there, and this it's a little tiny when he's like you know three footer or some shit, and he and I I got him on a spook, and he comes in, <laughs> and I'm standing on shore, and I stepped in. And the son just rolled over on his side, looked, he's got that, gave me that big stupid horse eye, right? Looked at me and fucking air launched and just lit onto or something. <laughs> lit oh, onto my legs. Dude, <laughs> that is brutal. Did, yeah, you like, did, did, did you like punch that thing back for I biting got, it? I had that son of a bitch so fast around the head. And as <laughs> soon as I grabbed him right by the opercum, by the gills there, and I, I squeezed him and he let go. And I was worried about the freaking plugs. I wasn't worried about him so much. And I grabbed him and and then he threw the plug and it came out kind of half-assed in my leg and half there. And I didn't, uh, I grabbed him and I looked him in the face and I said, go tell your friends, punk. And I let him go. <laughs> <laughs> he died. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty cool. But Man. yeah, the bass things, it's, that's ingrained. I love it. So I do, I have a question. So the jerk strip, right, as, mm -hmm. as us fly dudes know, that you kind of father that into the fly world, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got two like technique questions that have like been burning, but mm -hmm. I've been trying to figure it out and not fucking ask people, but mm -hmm. you're the guy. So, so how far is too far moving my rod tip for the jerk strip? Because if I'm use, if I'm running a jerk bait, I'm walloping it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm I'm moving that rod. I'm I'm fishing a medium rod with a fast tip. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm, I'm getting it to dive and I'm, cause I, I fish floating jerk baits. So I really, it's, they're pretty, it's pretty big motion to try to get it to dive. But with the jerk strip with, you know, these neutrally buoyant flies that are in that, like, I don't know, like 12 inch range of depth. Mm -hmm. How, how far is too far for my rod tip movement? It, well, you know, it's, it's a little bit indicative of what kind of rod, how far your fly is, how heavy the fly is, but there isn't any, there's no such thing. It's like if you're working a suspension bait, you know, neutral buoyancy bait and you want it to, you're kicking it too. It's all what you like the looks of. And so if you're, I like to see as a whole, as a general principle, as a general rule, I like to see three, four inch movements a foot. You know, I'd rather see a lot little stuff. But some of the baits that I run, or flies, I mean, that I run, uh, like the flatliner, for example, I hit that thing with a three-foot jerk, and then I let it suspend, and then I hit it with three. It's a, it's made to go wham and do this big kick, right? So I hit it with a probably a three-foot long jerk. I wait till it stops and gets so it's barely hovering, and then I hit it with three small, you know, three four-inch movements. But as a whole, I would say, if you're moving your rod, and, and, you know, unlike a, a, a jerk bait or any other with a bait cast or a spinning rod, you are the reel. And so the if you go too far, there's too much time you're screwing around trying to get back to your fly to keep the, the cadence going. So if you go much more than, say, uh, 18 inches or so, you're probably going to get out of control a little bit but it's all what you like the looks of it really i mean you watch johnny johnny can shimmer baits he moves them really he moves his rod back and forth really fast he does a single pull usually about a foot foot and a half i'd say and and then he goes into shimmers so he he blends them up so, but i don't think there's a set distance it's what i tell everybody don't worry about any but looking at your fly just like when you first start fishing a a, a, a crank anything you can see you watch it right not everybody can tell what it's doing by feel. So go to a bright fly that you can see, give it a big crack, just hard as you can do it. See how much your fly really moved. You don't want it to go tubular on you and just do long straight runs, right? You want it to be kicking. You're building all that shit into your fly on purpose. And so too much of a run will tubular your fly, take all the shit you built into your fly, it'll pull it down tight and you won't see it. And so, you know, and, and too little thing will just sit around, get, you know, at the mercy of the current. So somewhere in between, I, I would say 12, 18 inches pushing. Yeah, see, and that, that's the, I mean, you brought it up too, because I was getting to where I was no longer able to strip set into my fish because mm -hmm. I was, I mean, I was cracking it like, like I was yeah. about to, you know, swinging up, swinging for the fences. It was, it was way too far out. And kind of unwieldy, but I didn't know. You know raccoon. Uh, pretty much. I mean, that was my first. That was my first dubbing. Spider the corn fed cow. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, that's that's the problem. Is when you go to the jerk strip, the key to that thing is once you when you gain control over it, you can go fast or slow. I, I've, I've told this story in a lot of seminars. I was doing a seminar with Shaw Grigsby one time, and we're going, we're walking down the hallway, 
<clears throat> for people that don't know Shaw, I mean, you think about the fact that that guy's in his 60s still competing. I don't know. I haven't seen him lately much, but uh, still competing. That's an astounding thing for anybody to keep going in that sport. So, so hard. But I asked him once if what's because it seemed like that was back in the day of just BASS, right? And it was the top 15 out of millions of anglers. The top 15 out of the top 50 were always those guys, the same guys. And that's just not possible. You don't get to just go in, right? You gotta, you've gotta earn your way in every year, unless you win it. And then I said to him, what's the difference between the top 15 and everybody else? And his comment without a second's hesitation was it's their ability to move their lure through rod and not the reel. And so you as a fly angler become, your hand becomes the reel, right? So the more you can do with your rod and less, you know, you, that's you imp implementing the movement to the fly and not so much just, that's kind of the difference between just stripping because, you know, just a strip is just a mono movement. It doesn't, it tubulars your fly. It doesn't let it breathe and do things. But when you kick it and kick it, kick it, you're getting a lot of that movement, just like a jerk bait or suspension, a lot of baits where you're, you know, you're hitting them and, and then kicking them again. Yeah. And it keeps you from being a dope with a rope pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, I get a lot of shit, you know, I get a lot of shit from the spay guys <clears throat> about that because I said, you just can't do this. You know, it's just not a good technique. And they think anything that goes in the water and on a long line is a streamer. And they're pissed off because I said, you can't animate your fly. Well, you can, you can pump your rod and all that can do is bring it in. But the current's against the fly and you pump your rod, it'll pick it back and it'll breathe going back, but it's not swimming sideways, right? Because the techniques that we do, you, we don't swing flies tail first. We do perpendicular to the flow and we do lots and lots of movement, which, you know, I've, I've swung lots of flies for, you know, decades, but, uh, it's not the same, you know, once you get that thought that you're doing lots of little movement, you'll quit moving the rag quite so long. So I'm going to go ahead and ask. So mm -hmm. jigging flies. Mm -hmm. So I fish tons of Ned rigs, tons of just pretty much every jig you can think of. Mm -hmm. And I understand what the strike feels like on conventional gear, but what I'm the, an issue I'm, personally having is I can see the strike from my line, but I'm not tied on it. And I don't know if that's a bow in my line. Well, clearly one for being inexperienced, but I don't know if it's a bow in my line because I'm fishing a sink tip instead of a full sink. I don't know if I should be fishing like just a floating line because these are just size two, like super heavy crawdads that I've been tying. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like really finesse shit for large mouth and small mouth. Hey, Jake, are you just, are you, more or less Carolina, or how are you doing? Are you, you're talking about flies, right? You're, yeah, flies, yeah. So, go ahead. So, I'm, I'm just having, is there a way to keep that line tight and keep that contact? As are, we in, are we in a river or a lake? Uh, let's just say a lake, because, I mean, that's what I fish mostly around here is lakes. I tell people mostly to think of it just like a fish and a worm. You're going to get the eat okay. on the drop, and you, you the less, you, the more contact you have, the, the better you're going to be off. I mean, you, you can't jerk the rod, just like you watch a beginner fisherman with a, a rubber worm, right? You're just, you're out worm fishing. 
and they'll crack those things so hard and they just let it free fall. And they miss all their eats because they're eating it they're on the way down. They're, yeah. they're not under tension. Same thing when you jerk or you know vertical jig one, it's the same thing. And it, I actually find it easier for me on a sinking line because when I pick up on a floating line, it's my leader that's dropping, right? And you don't get quite the same effect as you do with a mono or, or braid or whatever, but it's the same thing. You're going to, you're going to be on the drop most of the time. Quite frankly, okay. if you're in a river, it's the same thing. Okay. It, and it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, uh, it's not as easy. Things don't sink as quick. You got more pause time on your descent. A lot of things slow down because you don't, you're not static to that thing. Your line's sinking, your flies are kind of hovering above it. And as you pick it up, it doesn't necessarily jig it like it does a jig because there's a lot of shit between you and that fly. Yeah. And a lot of room for push bites. You know, people don't understand that on streamer. You can get a, I mean, you can have a full on wide open brown trout coming at you 30 miles an hour and do push eats where they push at your bait and you don't feel a damn thing. If you can't see it in your line and the difference between great, you know, bass anglers and everybody else is their ability to see the lines move, feel things that don't happen. You know, they're, they're having to make this up in their brain. Like why'd my line go stack? You know, it's the same thing with a fly. One of the biggest on the white one year, I had a, a gal down there fishing with me and she this was a 29 and a half inch brown push eight her fly. I screamed so loud that scared her because there was no pull on her line. I mean, it came at it from right. It was really slow water. Push that son of a bitch forward. And I watched her line buckle like this. I'm like, Ooh, what? you can't do that. It's not possible. I think you can make that happen. And she got it. I mean, ate that thing down the gullet, man. It was, a, but it's a pushy. It's the same thing when you get in slow water you get a lot of that descending eat where they, you know, they don't necessarily like a bass will tip head down and eat something, but that's when you're getting right on the bottom. Trout don't tend to do that so much. They come up from below it and eat it as it starts its descent or they crash it. And then it's so easy. You know, if they hit it going sideways, you, nobody's going to miss that. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of, I get a lot of visual eats chicken right, yeah. on the river where I just it, see the mouth, you know? Right. Uh, is this damn humane society? Yeah, he, he's got, got another one. <laughs> you you heard of the crazy cat is, lady, right? Is this the sponsor we missed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the HSUS. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, well, oh, while we're talking about jigging with that and everything else, I'm, I'm thinking about um, Toho salmon and twitching jigs, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. Now, <clears throat> we have a couple different things we can do to speed up that sink. What have you found as far as terminal tackle on that jigging that will assist with, you know, because we're talking about that line drop in the water and the bow and, mm -hmm. and the, the jig physically sinking slower than, than the tip of the line. Let's say we're using a shooting head or a sinking tip right. or something. Uh, what, what could a person do to actually uh, increase that, that jig fall rate, especially for something like a coho or a mm -hmm. reactive strike type fish? I, I end up kind of Carolina rigging them where I do twist on 16 inches above my flies and sometimes doubles. I put two on and mostly so because 
I don't get a, I, because it's weighted at that point and it's sinking, I don't get that dead feel. I don't, that empty feel with, you know, my, when only your jig's dropping. And so, and I use pretty short leaders too. So I'm a little bit more in contact and it, that's the only thing I've ever found that really, most people want to go to floaters on them. And I, I find it harder yet because I get that dead zone between the, the line and the leader and one's up here, one's dropping here. If you pick it up and now you got a mid zone where this isn't following it, your line's not following it, but with a sinking line. And then if I put on the twist and I usually use one full twist on and I do them six, personally, I do them 16 inches apart. And, you know, I don't know what a twist on weighs, maybe like a three shot. I don't know. I, I have okay. no idea. I've never weighed one actually, but you know, maybe a, maybe a BB, I don't know, but it does, it does give you a little bit more feel on it. Well, and, and the reason why I asked that also mm -hmm. is, is, um, you know, we know, we know jig flies work good, you know, yeah. uh, as fly anglers, we know that they're very effective, especially like you said, that, that push or, uh, even, even that reactionary strike, depending on the species mm -hmm. you're going after. Um, something that's picking up popularity out here in the West is actually trout twitching, um, mm -hmm. which, um, Bill Herzog, he's kind of, he's designed some flies around or uh, I shouldn't say flies, jigs, uh, for mm -hmm. conventional tackle. But I'm I'm wondering because of the subtle movement because we're we're talking about a sculpin mimicking pattern with that twitcher mm -hmm. basically for that uh, the way it's tied and everything else the gill appearance the head everything um, you know getting getting more of that subtle like you know upstream right. cast working back down you know how how to enhance that but I didn't think about a twist on to actually help uh, sink that right just and you can do I mean sometimes on my jigs because I've got a a handful of like the Nancy P. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> that's a that's a crayfish pattern, and it's it's the same thing. It's made for that subtle movement. And if I'm, and especially around here or rivers out your way, you know, you know, Metolius and some of the, the, you know, there's a bunch of them actually out there. They're, they got the riffle effect that we do here. And sometimes I'll just throw a three sixteenths tungsten bead right on the knot at the head. And, and when I'm, especially for upstream jigging, and I do really short, uh, that's, my upstream techniques are seldom do I cast more than 30 feet. I mean, I'm usually a 30 foot cast on my upstream. And, and on this river, we do that a ton because you aren't getting in the middle of the son of a bitch and fishing back. Very few <laughs> places you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like to swing flies tail first at the fish. And so I do a lot upstream. And I'll just, I'll throw, drop a 316 tungsten. I use a loop knot, push it over. It doesn't move. And I tend to fish pretty shallow anyway. And probably, I would say a 10-foot retrieve would be a pretty long. When you lose control, because you don't have a, you know, 42-inch retrieve per revolution of your handle, you got yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so I tend to go 20 to 30-foot cast upstream and retrieve eight to 10, 12 feet max. And so that gets me in contact with that. It's, it's just so, especially when you come from the swing world or traditional world, like I did, I grew up, you know, my dad was a guide a long time ago and we didn't, dry fly fishing's new to this world. And I mean, I started fishing in the sixties and, you know, seventies hard and, and then, but you were swinging wet flies is the beginning. And so it, nothing could be further than the, the, from that, where you get to feel everything. 
and to going upstream and doing a jig retreat, right? Mm -hmm. Super easy, <laughs> not, su not super easy, but easy with a spinning rod or a baitcaster. Uh, I actually, I've never baitcast upstream on, on a spinning rod, I do a lot. But contact is everything. I mean, it, just like any gear fishing, I mean, you, it's everything, right? And right. anglers who are really used to swinging or, or kind of wet fly swinging or, you know, like traditionals, when I say that, I don't mean steelhead style, I mean like traditional, like partridge and you know, orange or something like that. <clears throat> or if you're nymph anglers, you know, especially bobber people, they're used to seeing or feeling something. You throw something upstream and all hell breaks loose. I mean, and you'll see this super fast movement shit and it shouldn't be any, it should be slow. Oh, it's so and, subtle. It's so yeah, subtle and, and slow. And it, But the only way to eliminate it is to fish short. And yeah. well, if you got a slower river, you can get away, but really you don't. You don't get that much in reality, you know, even on a slow river, 30 feet's a long fucking cast. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of, that's a lot of line to manage and control and jig. Even on a floating line when you can see it, it's, that's a lot of shit. And by yeah. the way, I fish floaters mostly upstream because yeah. I sell them, I sell them fish. And, and I, I tend to fish a lot of crayfish stuff upstream. And the other stuff is when I do that, if when I'm fishing crayfish, I seldom put the line the twitch, the, the the twist on. I tend to be more Carolina rig style, you know, when I fish upstream where I'm burning stuff from short 10, 12 foot movements, and I might pull in 12, 16, I mean, 16 inches above that, but I'm still going to only retrieve probably 12 feet. If given that I, if the river's slow enough, and, and that's the dictating factor there is if the river's slow enough, I'll probably get in the middle of some bitch and fish back to the edge. Right. Mm -hmm. But you aren't getting in the middle of the fucking Madison. It's not yeah. going to happen. So you I'd try it once. <laughs> yeah. I've been out there too and been back down there. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. But yeah. It's just, it's more, everything's control. And we, and it's, you know, you come off of the fly fishing world where it's everything was dry fly, dry fly, dry fly. And it's real easy. Now you dropped, I mean, it's easy to see your line, what's happening, obviously your fishing surface stuff. That's a whole different world than trying to go down where they live and make mm -hmm. something act like where they live, right? And so I, I just go, I, I preach it constantly. Matter of fact, my mantra for all fly fishing, stock more, cast less, including steelhead, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many fish on the Dean I caught in 12 inches of water at daylight when everybody goes through that son of a bitch is on the other side of the river, especially when, when the two-hander rule came out, it opened up the whole inside of that river to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can do my 40-foot cast right there. But I, I mean, I just think it's really imperative that unless you have a style of fishing where you can, you know, churn and burn and just throw stuff, but we can't really do that. No. You, know, we, you have we to work everything. Stars. Yeah, you got to work it. And you just stock more, cast less. I mean, including your two-hand. You watch the cats that are superstars at the two-handing world. They're all doing their superstar cast, but every one of them starts out real tight. You know, fish the yeah. water that's there, miss nothing. And in the fly world, man, you're asking a lot of a fish and a lot of this shit to make them eat it. And thinking just because it's one of the, the biggest misnomers in our industry, streamer in particular, 
just because you got a big goddamn fly and you throw it out there, something's going to find it. Well, they're not idiots. They, they're they're going to find something. You can throw a crankbait or a, a, you know, people are always come into my shop saying, oh, there's some of these fucking gearheads down there fishing spinners. I said, well, how are they doing it? They're throwing it downstream. I said, don't worry about them. They're going to catch a fish in their life. You know, a good, a good spinner angler throws upstream and gets 12 blade rotations a foot. You yeah. say that to some motherfucker and they're like, what the hell's our blade rotation? And it's like, <laughs> well, that means you got control of a goddamn lure. And a fly is no different. The fly is still, you have to control it. And yeah. so, or a swing, you know, look at a really good spay guy. They mm -hmm. can control, or especially dry world. You're starting to control your V, right? And how much, how much wake you've gotten. You watch the people that get that, they catch fish like crazy. And then you get, and then streamer world, it kind of got dumbed down to shit. I mean, they just like get a big fly and throw it out there. Well, and they don't catch shit. They get, everybody gets the village idiot once in a while, right? And they think they can write a fucking book because they caught one fish. Duplicate, <laughs> duplicate the damn thing, right? Yeah, it do it twice. How do you think Kevin Van Dam won, you know, five Nash? I mean, Jesus, you're duplicating things, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's what it's about. It's control. K KVD was so fucking successful because he moved and he covered water. He, I mean, Dr. Frankenstein, as you yes. called him once upon yes. a time, but he's, he's a beast and it wasn't, it wasn't a fluke, you know, it's, yeah. it's like you said, it, and it's, it's that feedback, man. And you know, that's that, that you know, feedback is the whole thing. A refusal yeah. is feedback, you know, not, oh, it's just, fuck, man. It's like the bass guys, they, they've got it. They've honestly got it down, man. Like, I can't talk shit on that at all. And I don't know why you would. <clears throat> They've had it down for a long time. You know, I mean, I mean, the difference is, is they fish for money, you yeah. know, in real money. And if we fished for money, you wouldn't have guys throwing 60 feet and hoping the son of a bitch back to them. They'd be no. fishing, you know, and now that we've got the whole, you know, everybody's getting into this Euro trash stuff and they're everybody's checking and they're getting there and they're out there and they're catching every fucking fish in the river. And they're starting suddenly starting to realize, uh, oh, I'm throwing, I'm not throwing, I'm rod lengthening, and I'm catching the living shit out of fish, right? Well, literally at your sudden, feet. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, as somebody said to me the other day, do you get because and I and I go out and I'll do it every once in a while here just for fun. He says, "Do you get tired catching every fish?" I says, "Yeah, sometimes, not really." <laughs> and I, go back. I mean, I, I think it's a soulless way to fish, but I I think it also is a great tool to get people started, and it also tells them it's like going to a fucking fish pond, right, with a kid. Go to a bluegill pond, start a kid fishing. Don't take them out dry fly fishing. Take them out. You can take them dry fly fishing for bluegills. Let yeah. them catch a bunch of fish. Let them have fun, right? And understand it's a perfect learning tool, bluegill is. I mean, you can beat them on the rise. You know, you can beat the hook set. You can do a lot of shit. They pull like crazy. Yeah. It's great. But they, you'll start to realize you don't have to throw 60 feet to catch a trout. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you, can, you might want to diagnose the water in front of you and learn to read the goddamn thing so you can see where they should be. And like you said, the, the feedback of not seeing a fish and seeing a fish, you know, where did it come from? 
Yeah, we kind of lost that for a while, but it's coming back. The new guy, the new kids are, they're incredible. These, these 18, 24 year old kids nowadays are better than, they hear it all, seen it all, been there, done it, right? And they learn very quickly. And you're seeing a lot more of this controlled angling than you are just that huck it and hope thing. So do you ever, so I, I watched a video about um, your, your full sync. So the streamer max short is not like yours. It. it is not mine. I do not like, like the long is yours. That is mine. Okay. Uh, I was watching the video on like the, the roll cast pickup and how to cast mm -hmm. the full sinking line before I bought it and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I had a question. Do you ever like, kayak fish or anything like that? Or are you mostly a walking wave guy now? Uh, boats, not kayaks. Okay. I mean, drift boats. Um, it is a commercial. Yeah. You know, the, the first hex hatch, the first hex nymph I ever tied was a, a guy who was very in, influential to my life and got me into guiding, got me into, I tied before I knew him, but his name's Tom Noams. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a general tackle guy too. Uh, but he had a cat it was called bamboo and it we shaved that thing for hex it had the perfect tones and that <laughs> son of a bitch that thing died and i says tell me you shaved the cat tell me you shaved the goddamn cat <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't i'm like are you shit me oh barb would kill me and i'm like i shouldn't have to know <laughs> i mean just like a couple flames <laughs> Down that road, well, unbelievable, like a, a lifetime of dubbing. Oh yeah, uh, you know, I told John when he told me he was he was tying flies out of cat hair. I was like, dude, you're gonna be running around the neighborhood with like a pair of those cordless clippers, like shaving the cat. Like, there's some great, there's some black, you know. It's like this stuff's better than marabou, you know. There's cats with reverse mohawks up their ass and everything else. <laughs> uh, it can be good. It's a good blend with other stuff too. It's really, it, I mean, I mean, blend it with some Selmo, some, some longer fiber synthetics. It's, it's, uh, you'll see it. It's got some good. <laughs> <laughs> so I used, to, I used to shave the, I didn't shave them. I used to, the roadkill. I always wanted to meet the DOT guy in Michigan because I'd see a roadkill. I get out and I'd rump patch it, take its ass rump because it's really good white hair for mm -hmm. you know, deer. And I'd cut its belly if I had time, get the, if it was good hair. I just wanted to meet the DOH because he, he had to find hundreds of these things where it's ass patches missing. <laughs> what the fuck? There's some freak out here. There's some satanic group doing weird shit to the dude. <laughs> that poor oh bastard probably thought it was like some kind of ritual. Yeah, <laughs> looking around. Where the hell? Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> out there it's foggy and cold you know and he's picking up this thing with no ass i'm not picking on. up the deer anymore yeah <laughs> i quit you can't make me do it yeah son of sam yeah oh, uh, shit. but that that actually is like a perfect segue for something i wrote down so i was talking to russ madden right and and russ has nothing but good shit to say about you he wouldn't even give me a good funny story hmm. but, i got something on him <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a couple of his three-day johns. Never mind. Yeah, so Russ is uh, Russ is like a—he's the only little brother I ever had. I mean, he's a great guy. 
Incredible it's, talent. No, dude, he's he's so talented and he doesn't he's been so like patient and open with knowledge and mentorship and he, he's a he's a class act for sure. But something he told me is that you're one hell of a taxidermist. Used to be. Kinda. Dude, he said uh, th this was a story. He said your freezer went out and he had like this. I don't know. I don't remember the exact number. It was like almost 30 pound fucking trout or some shit. He oh. said it totally just, it was a disaster. He said, but you fixed it. And he sent me a picture of it and it looked fucking awesome. Like how was that that, was that, that brown trout? Yeah, dude. Uh, off of the, uh, yeah, that was a labor of love and a fucking gas mask. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my God, was that ugly. If it wasn't him, it wouldn't be on a wall, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I could only imagine. How how long had it been out of the freezer, though? Uh, I don't know. I had one worse. I found almost identical. It's about a 30-pounder we found in the river here. It had been dead for 10 days floating around. Ooh. And I went and found that one. It was uh, 38 and a half by 24 and a half. Just shy, of, you know. And just a giant, and whoa, somebody had gut it to see what was in its stomach. Guts were all in there still. And it was it was pretty warm out. And I went downstream. I thought it was gonna be this little you know, everybody kept talking about it. And I thought it was gonna be, you know, 25 inches. I took this little 13 pound bag with me. I saw that son of a bitch from 50 yards away and went, I mean, it looked like a, a big Lake Michigan brown trout. And wow. It was it was staggering, but it it had a stink that it was right there with that one of Russ's. I had one worse. I had a duck. I had a duck freezer. I I loved doing ducks. I only did fishing birds. I loved doing birds, but uh, I couldn't get mature birds in Michigan very often. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, while Kelly goes and chases his dog. <laughs> no, that's good. There's a but this. I bought my birds by the pair by my people who raised them. And I kept having, I had this garage door, 16 foot garage door. And every time I'd open, I'd get this little whiff of something like fishy or something. I wasn't sure what it was. And one day I walked in the side door and my buddy Todd Sampson said, uh, oh, something smells fish. And I'm like, oh my God. And I looked over at my freezer and it's not on. Oh no. And it's got 63 pairs of ducks in it and i cracked the door just to see like maybe i'm just praying that the light was off because it burned out <laughs> and i cracked it and i closed that son of a bitch and i said and it oozed this gray shit come out oh i just said holy shit and i and we opened the doors and we, you couldn't breathe in there and we duct taped the son of a bitch shut right and we take it we get it in my truck oh. i take it to the landfill it's illegal to put a, it in there it's got the door has to come off i said no dude you don't understand you we cannot take this fucking door off i said and it's windy as shit and we're on the mound right it's got, he's got the bulldozer there and they said you got to open the door because we got to make sure there's not a dead body this thing right i mean it's northern michigan it's not freaking seattle i mean but this is and 30 years ago and so i go dude you don't you don't get it and he's in his bulldozer and i don't know if it was russ it might have been russ and i and 
I think it was actually. And we get there and we take the tape off and the wind's blowing 30 right at the bulldozer. So he can Oh, yeah. You we asked open, for it. We open that fucking door. And I mean, and we're behind it and we got masks and shit on. And all of a sudden he see him going, tip it out, tip it out, tip it out. <laughs> and he told me for months, you said like, I did it on purpose. I said, dude, those things are like 200 bucks a pair. I didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. And oh my God, it was the most disgusting thing ever. Back to fishing. So, yes, I do. <laughs> it's all a part of fishing, right? <laughs> Who hasn't had their freezer go out, whether you have a power outage or the thing just oh. goes out, man. Oh. Usually I got them pat, you know, you get a, I don't know. I haven't, I really don't do it much since I got out here. So, but I did a lot back in Michigan. It's how I kept my fly shops alive before guiding him taxidermy before fly fishing was cool you better have a second income if you have a fly shop so so my question for you is is because you you were you know you were guiding steelhead trout doing all that stuff you came out to montana everything else something that uh, i guess i never even bothered to look up and maybe it's just be weird for me to look up and maybe it's a weird question but what is your favorite type of craft uh watercraft for a river are you a drift boat guy or are you a raft guy i mean what what do you like um i'm inherently lazy so i like jet sleds but um... yeah, I, you know, okay <laughs> <laughs> all right like you, you want a jet sled yeah i have several oh okay <laughs> um, i i'm a I like running drag line off. I like to fish alone. Uh, I don't mind fishing with Russ, but there's and Johnny, but that's about it. And so, uh, soon she'll never she'll never listen to it. But I take my girlfriend too, but only because she can row, and maybe better, maybe better than me. She can back a freaking boat better into it. She can back a trailer better than I can. It really is demasculating. But uh, anyway. I, you know, it's, it's indicative of the water, really. If I'm like, I, I, I love the big hole. That's one of my favorite rivers in the world, but it's always skinnier and shit. Right. And I got a raft and, but, and I absolutely, my two favorite sounds in the world, the red tail hawk and the paddle dipping into the water and on oar. And so I like both of them, but it's, if, you know, it, it's all indicative of the water. I don't think I could do, I've got a drift boat, a raft and two jet sleds and a bass boat. So, you know, uh, is it a, is it a glitter boat? Or are you running no, like uh, white trash, uh, bass tracker? Nice. Hell yeah. It's, it's an 18 foot. I love that thing. It's got more. That's a big fucking boat. Mileage. Huh? That's that a big fucking is, boat. It's perfect for us. Hold on, I gotta get my It's almost as bad as your cat. Oh, the dog wants in now. <laughs> she's like, you know, she's going to go to the other door and start whining. Yeah, well, once my <laughs> wife gets home, you're going to hear like an eruption of dogs. It's going to come oh, yeah. through the garage wall, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah. mom's home. Ah, you know, go ballistic. And then I'm in there, I'm chasing them around, you know, try, I'm like, shut up, you know, and go over there, grab them, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, I've got two morons that are just sitting there. They do it just to bug me. I yeah. <laughs> swine and yeah, yeah and all that yeah wait until i'm wait until i'm not doing something and or i'm doing something and then be a pain in the ass but <laughs> well uh, 
So, so you got, you got the bass tracker. You say you have several jet sleds. <laughs> two, uh, only two now. Two. Only okay. Two. Uh, I got a fish right from your neck of the woods and I've yeah. got one of those. Uh, I yeah. actually, a buddy of mine, uh, Bill Boynton, who I used to work with in at Shell Oil a long time ago, he was a fish right dealer mm-hmm. and Ray Schmidt and him designed the power drifter for Michigan. That's where that boat came from. He was a big yep. dealer back there. And, I've got one of those, and then I've got one of the Shawnee Supremes that's from the Arkansas, which is just a tits boat for this for the Missouri and the Yellowstone and stuff like that. You know, it's long and but shit you can take off in three inches of water wide open. They're they're so long and pretty heavy, but they're skinny, right? And mm-hmm. money. Now, uh, as far as your drift boat goes, uh, you run in a fiberglass or aluminum? Fiberglass, clockwise. Yeah, oh, we can be I, friends. I, I, worked for, I worked for Bruce. I okay. Designed, I designed the fly pod. Oh, you that's, did? Okay. That's my boat. That's my boat. Yeah. I, I have a WF-16. So uh, if you're familiar. What's that? It's the number one boat ever. Yeah. I mean, you, can't, you can't really improve that boat. Yeah. Unless that, you get a fly pod, and then you have ultimate storage. So you can <laughs> when you yeah. have 26 fly boxes you have to put in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll talk to Bruce and, uh, you know, they're right down the road from where I live here. And, uh, so, uh, they, they have their plant, like, I don't know, three miles away where they shoot the fiberglass and do the molds mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I, I've always been curious, you know, I, I see a mix, especially out here of aluminum and fiberglass, but just to talk to the fly guys, it seems like, uh, everybody's running uh, a claca or, you know, they might be running a hide, but for the most part, it seems like the claca crafts where it's at. Yeah. The, the, the LP 16 is just like that. That is just the workhorse of the industry. Everything else is kind of just, just trying to catch up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. In my, in my, my boat, the L, the fly pod is just, all I did with this, I took the 16, moved everything forward 14 inches and put dry storage on both sides of the gunnel. So I've got five foot bins on each side just because I, I literally carry 16 bugger, the big thing, or I mean 16, 26 of those big cases. And it just, I feel naked when I go with 20. So I had to have a boat. I had to have a boat. They really load that bitch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God they're not crankbaits. Motherfucker would sink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man! What's your favorite? What's your favorite color crankbait? Uh, they tend to have kind of like my flies. They tend to be things uh, silvers and yellows. So, you know, accents of yellows. Depends on. It's so hard because it's all following that color. You know, that daylight color, and I. I that's why all my fly series have you know at least five colors in all of them. But on my crankbaits, you know, silvers with yellow and blues, but I don't know if I could have one. I mean, with all the new stuff and the, it's so hard. I mean, but I, I, I really tend towards the brighter shit on my crankbaits because I'm usually reactionary stuff and fast, you know, chartreuses, hot blues and stuff like that. Uh, I do a lot more soft plastic stuff, though you know jig swim baits and no i used to make the absolute shit out of soft plastics <laughs> oh my gosh if you took a three and a half inch 
flat tail jig on this river with a eighth ounce jig. I swear to God, you could wipe the fucker out. Every, fish, <laughs> every, every single fish will eat, will at least look at it. Every single fish. I don't give a shit. You can go up to five, have a, I take a five inch stripe king, same thing, set smoke with that yellow stripe. And I, holy shit. I mean, whenever my friends or my family show up and they're like, wanna, and they're all fucking old, right? And they all want to learn to fly fish. I'm like, no, you had 40 years to learn to do this shit. You're too fucking old. I'm yeah. not teaching. Here's your spinning rod. I've got a shit ton of size two MEP spinners with single hooks. And I got a shit ton of uh, eighth ounce, sometimes three sixteenths ounce jigs. I hook them up with the soft plastic. I just throw the sound bitch out there. I don't care where it lands, just reel it. I don't mm -hmm. care if you jig it. I don't care if you reel it. I don't care if you drag it. You'll catch a fish. And yep. they just wipe it out. Right? <clears throat> and so, and then I don't get, I don't work with, I don't work with friends or family with multi-hook crankbaits ever. It's a oh, no. spinners, <laughs> spinners or jigs. I mean, that's just all there is. Debarbed. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> Safe, safer way to go for sure. I mean, uh, for a lot of people, uh, we've been switching out to single points now instead of trebles, mm -hmm. even, you know, going with the siwash and all that. You know, that back in Michigan, I had a lot of friends that were, that were commercial anglers, you know, that they're running charter boats and those guys started when the salmon, I mean, it was an incredible industry. You should read about it sometime 1969 to 70. It was the first billion dollar industry ever developed in a year. And it was all the fish, sport fish became the biggest seller of boats in the world. All this shit just happened. Lures, depth finders were found, downriggers were invented, all in the same Grand Traverse Bay, right? Everything happened right where I, where I happened to be. And these guys would go out, catch their limit, and come back, right? And they're trying to, I bet you 25, 30 years ago, those guys switched to single hooks and said that they, they just didn't, they, the fish didn't come off. Yeah, because they get a hook and, you know, trebles can get wedged and they and they start torquing and spinning and death rolling and shit and they're popping them out. And they they swore all my buddies swore go to the single hook. It, it's it's in. It's done. It's over. They did a lot of spoon fishing, too. And oh, yeah. they were always on the spoons, but they went to a lot of their cranks, too, when they're there weren't so many guys spin like throwing back then. But a lot of guys trolled and like even on flatfish, I saw guys going to it, which was unheard of. Yeah. They just said they just land their fish. And, well, yeah. a, a lot of people are starting to use uh, the bead chain swivel with the single side wash from under the belly mm -hmm. of the of yep. the actual whether whether it's uh, the flatfish style or right. just the crank style. They're going mm -hmm. to that because uh, when the fish comes up, you know, and they crash yeah. that lure, you know, whether they're trolling or anchor fishing or whatever you want to call it they hook up so much better. Like you'll get a bottom jaw punch on a big Chinook, which, you know, they had a heart, yeah. they got a super hard mouth, yeah. but you get that razor sharp sidewash into them and they'll punch right through. They're not coming off. And that's, and what, can that's what those guys, Chinook are what those guys were fit. I mean, that's, they yeah. put cohos in the Great Lakes, you know, early, but they immediately went and put the Chinook in because everybody wanted to catch a bigger fish, right? So suddenly you go from two or three lake trout trollers to 60 boats in a harbor all thrown for all fishing for chinook and the faster they can get their five and come home the more trips they get to do right and yeah. so they were looking at that and i mean it makes total sense to me i mean i i don't know i just and i do it for my i do it for my own safety but 
more than anything. And everybody always talking about the treble hook. You know, fly guys are always worried about treble hooks tearing the fish up. I never saw that. I mean, they usually got one hook in them anyway, if you're lucky, too, at mags. And I've, I've skin hooked so many more fish on treble hooks than I ever have yeah. on a single yeah. point hook. Yeah, me too. I just, but I don't try to argue with them. They're, yeah. They think the same thing about two hooks on my flies. And, you know, when I, when I first started doing the articulated thing, in particular, the, I heard about it from the coast. Uh, and I, they're brainer hooks, they call them. They're going to hook them in the brain. I'm like, do you, do you have anything about the physiology of a fucking fish? I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to brain the damn thing. Hold on a second. I'm going to lose you. Uh, why is my computer not working? Because it's a computer. It helps to plug it in. <laughs> when I moved it, I didn't plug it in. There, we have battery again. But yeah, they, the people would always say that I, they would brain that this back hook somehow was going to go from the jaw, flip around and somehow go through the top of their head and put the hole through. I have snagged more fish in the brain area, dry fly fishing, I can't, than I have ever, I have never hooked a fish up here. I don't know how they thought it was gonna go to the top of the head, somehow pull and go straight down through and brain the son of a bitch, but I heard it constantly. I mean, the first five years, I mean, I was the turd in the punch bowl when that first started. Boy, people were, the, the dry guys were, there was just a lot of pushback, you know. And one of the big ones was hearing about the brainer hooks. And they're not too worried. I mean, and on that, on that, I if I'm cutting hooks, I cut the back. I don't give a shit about that back hook. That's, that's purely insurance policy. If he happens to go through and not hook, and maybe the back one hooks him, they eat the front of the fly. They don't eat the back. They're not squid eaters. Trout or they eat the head. They have no way. You know, I, I I've talked about this in seminars for years. Trout and why I don't swing flies at tail first at fish. Steelhead or squid eaters. There's a difference. Trout have to ambush and they have to hit sideways. They have they have to eat the head. They cannot eat it from the tail. They got spiny dorsals. They got things that stop them. And they don't have hands. They can't put the damn thing in their mouth. They eat it, they grab that thing, and they hold on to it. And most of the time, they kill it and let it go, and then eat it. They don't, if you think about it, T-bone in a fish, if he's got a 10-inch fish across his mouth, how the hell is he going to get that down his throat? He can't, especially in a river. Water's pushing against him, right? What the hell is he, if he opens up and lets go, it's not like it's going to bend in half and go down his stomach. It's got, he's either got to let it go or he's got to had it by the head. And even then, if he's got it by the head, think of how he would get it with all that pressure pushing the rest of it backwards. How the fuck's he going to get it in his mouth? Right? Yeah. And so uh, I, I don't really, and I think they just always hit the front end. I mean, we catch them in the back. You hear that shit about their short striking. That is such bullshit. You're feeling them tap it. They're hitting it to stun it. They're doing something. Real fish don't tap the ass of anything. You're like getting in the rain, walking up and slapping you in the butt. I mean, you hit it the head to stun it. You want it done. You want it done. And so I kind of, that, that whole thing's kind of gone away though in the last 10 years, the whole brainer hook and, you know, the back hooks, they're just, they're, they're blinding the fit. I've never, I mean, 
I blinded yeah. a lot of fish dry fly. I've caught three fish steelhead uh, dry fly fish, and I've caught two on the Dean and one on the Bulker, both hooked in the top of the head. The, uh, the steelhead coming up to eat that that dry. Right, yeah. right dead. <laughs> I mean, they've swam away just fine and brain them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think it takes a pretty incredible like set of circumstances because we fish are smart but their brain is like yeah. that big i mean if you catch and keep a fish cut into its head and look at its brain size yeah. they're it, you know i mean it's like trying to shoot an ad at a thousand yards yeah. yeah yeah it's not very big they're smart but it's not yeah. a very big target to hit yeah I, you know and i tell people it's a blood sport it's it is you, yeah, you, know, give it up. you can't protect everything i like you know keep them wet and all that stuff that's great blah 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 then they'll tell you that lakes were populated by ospreys dropping fish. But are you shitting me? I mean, it, but it, it's a, you do what you can do, and at some point, shit happens, you know. Yeah. And it's it's very rare. I don't remember the last time I killed a fish, and it's just what it happens. You you got to get past the fact that we can't solve every fucking problem. Yeah. And that that actually, if the hook bothers you, just cut it off. Cut that back hook off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whatever it takes. Well, I, I mean, think I have uh, friends that don't fish hooks. I mean, yeah, Scotty, you know, uh, Scotty Hall. He, <clears throat> a lot of these guys don't. I mean, they're they're past it. I have friends that do it with dry flies. You know, whatever, good for you. I like to catch them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't give a shit what you we, do. We, we, we got a buddy. His name is Marty, and he said. If I wanted to go stare at the water, I'd go look at a mud puddle in my backyard, but he's out there. <laughs> <to catch fish. laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and, and we've talked about this before. Uh, uh, I mean, not, not with you, obviously, but if, if you have a problem with, you know, hurting something, fishing might not be the thing for you. You know, you might go take yeah. up pillow fighting or something else instead, yeah. because, you know, despite the fact we hook the fish we land it we let it go or you know if you want to keep it and whack it you keep it and whack it need it but uh, you know you're you're kind of you're rolling the dice in, in a lot of ways now now that dice chance of you killing a fish is pretty low unless you skid it up on the bank and beat the shit out of it and do all that stuff that then yeah it's gonna probably die or you gill grab it or whatever else uh, but uh if you're doing everything right they're going to swim away, be happy. And you guys are both going to shake hands and part ways. Yep. I mean, it, it is. It's, you just got to, at some point, you just got to give up that if there's something, you know, there's a chance in everything driving yeah. down the road, you hit a lot of fucking bugs, you know, yeah. and you run over gophers and you run over deer and you run <laughs> and life just happens. We can't stop. And you know, the, the whole, I, I found it curious that there's five years ago I was reading this thing about PETA and their their new target number one target market was fly anglers and the you quote gotta be shitting me no I'm not sure if it's ever changed it may still be but the quote was and I don't remember if it was what it was in but the quote was we're and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember the actual quote but it was we are affluent white males as as, as a whole we are affluent white males who practice selective cruelty by practicing a thing called catch and release where we torture the fish, let it go so we can torture it again. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, it was, I mean, that's, par for, that's par for the course. I mean, <laughs> hey, oh, I got a headache. 
Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I it, you can look it up. It was no. It was I, I I'm not saying that you didn't. Uh, that 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 I sounds. Mean the, I mean to get the quote right so you can puke in your mouth again. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I just what drives the logic of some of these people that think about this, and I, you know, I'm all about conservation and you know, fair chase, everything else, but come on i mean these are the same people that are saying oh you shouldn't breed you know your your pets i mean you you shouldn't uh, be able to have animal responsible animal husbandry on a farm i mean what kind of lunatic i mean <laughs> i'm not going to give up eating meat okay uh, wh whatever whatever your agenda is that's fine but uh, uh, and and yeah there's some people that do some fucked up stuff to animals too i'm not denying that either but we should, we are should, you be, able fucking... hunt, we should be able to hunt those people too but we can't exactly we don't have that right like you know <laughs> i mean will Peter go to court and say hey we can have like the purge on you know perverts and these <laughs> other people i mean I, i'm down Good for advice. that i'll agree with you on that but um <clears throat> i'm listening you know, <laughs> I, it just blows my mind. I'm sorry that I have to go off on this side tangent with Kelly here, but it, it blows my absolute ever living mind that, that yeah. there would be that type of focus on that. But then again, we got, we got weird shit happening all over the place where people are like, well, you know, uh, we should just get rid of hunting and fishing and trapping and, you know, responsible animal husbandry. And I saw, uh, two, commercials on, I saw two commercials when I was eating dinner tonight on anti-tramping. You know, uh, Unbelievable. it's over and over and over and over, but uh, that's been going on for a long time. I didn't know it was going to come to our world, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm, it, it only took a matter of time, but uh, yeah. Um, so you got a new building, too, that, that you've been working on. Uh, that maybe you want to share with everybody about that. It's uh, in Ennis. Yeah, we... We originally moved, which is 42 miles from here. We're up in the mountain up here, right? And <clears throat> we're moving to Ennis. We're probably, uh, we're not getting rid of this one, obviously. We're just, we're adding that. What we Originally, it was for our internet business because that's kind of, uh, we're so far out. One employee is really tough because we're 42 miles. And he's, generally, it's, you know, male males that work here and 42 miles from the closest female it's really hard on them and so <laughs> <laughs> and they well that was a funny play on words but it was a it was a it, it it we lose a lot of shipping days too and so we decided to move the internet business down there and then we decided out of the hell with it we'll just put up a mega store and so we're building a really big uh, place so we can have basically we're going to do all our internet off the floor instead of warehousing everything like we do now so we'll pick off the floor so we'll have a really big shop down there and then and both most of it just gives us the internet business we can get the we get two extra days of shipping out here i'm so far out that i i, I can't do next day ever i can't do anything like that and so we'll get we'll get saturdays now to we lose Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on shipping. So if it's big days, we drive it in for Saturdays, but that's kind of a pain in the ass. So we're moving down there. Hopefully we, we poured floors last week. It was great. Started out at five below. Great day to throw oh. concrete. And so oh, <laughs> it did get up to 30 though. And so we're going to, hopefully we'll have that roll in here. We hope to move 
product in by the end of January. So very cool. We'll see. We'll see. Very excited. Yeah, it'll be a fun. It's a get Kelly off the water even more. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's what you have employees for. Yeah, exactly. That's why I had a meeting about that this morning. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's what, yeah. That's what Johnny, you know, I'm always picking on Johnny in my videos and shit. And everybody says, why do you, in the beginning, it's because he's, he, he's, he's the guy that's probably going to take over for me. But in the beginning, it was just because I says, you know, why don't you get behind the camera now and then and tie something or do something besides me, me, me. And, and so he, he just wouldn't do it, right? He was awful behind the camera. He's so stiff. And people would say, why do you, you know, why do you pick on this? Especially when I'd be out speaking. This is like 10, 15 years ago in particular. Yeah, about 12 years ago, I guess, when I started picking on him. And they're like, why do you pick on this Johnny? I says, well, he's this little short, sickly guy. And he's, he's, he says, he makes Barney Fife look like a badass. I say, he won't stick up for himself. And, he's, and people would be like, well, that's kind of mean. I said, whatever. And then they'd come in and Johnny's 6'4", about 2.30. looks like a brick shit house, right? And he's all dark and handsome. And they walk in and they'd look at me and go, liar. And I'm like, you know his name. <laughs> now, he's yeah. got a whole, now he's got a whole following. Every time I give him shit, you know, somebody writes in, you know, why don't you shut up and let Johnny talk, you piece of shit. Now, now I'm the bad guy. <laughs> and I'm like, winner. <laughs> now he's got a following so I can let him do stuff. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fun stuff. oh man <laughs> well uh you know we're coming up on the hour here kelly and and uh you know actually we're beyond the hour it's fine it's totally fine i don't care um but um man uh how can people get a hold of you uh obviously if, if they're listening to this they're like god brian why do you ask all these stupid questions but i'm talking about the people that are like like who's Kelly Gallup? There, the you know, there's still people out there, right? But, the ones that haven't been offended yet and are, haven't right. turned us off. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, yeah, slidein.com. I mean, if they look up my name, it, it'll just and it's G A L L O U P, and no, it's not Galoop. It's Galou. There's no P in French, and uh, everybody says that when they call, "Hey, Mr. Galoop." <laughs> but uh, anything that says my name or slide in slide in.com that'll all get there and I did I tell you that story about the guy that uh, the lady I mean that called him she was pissed. go for it <laughs> she, well, she called in and she asked because you look up slide in as one word I mean did you not learn to spell? But I mean, if you look it up, slide in as in slide, you get a whole lot of other stuff than the slide in lodge. And so <laughs> she called and she's kind of pissed. And I said, uh, I don't, and I just kind of, I knew what had happened. And I said, it's, did you put two ends in it? And she, there's this pause and she goes, oh my God. <laughs> she, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Back in the day, when I was still in Michigan, we had the 1-800-FISH, right? And or, I think it was 1-800-FLY-FISH. I can't remember what it was. This was like way, in the, way back. This is 30 years ago. And they had, I'd never even heard of an 888 number. But if you called 1-800-FLY-FISH, you got me. If you called 
888, and you just put the, now I can't remember it was 3474 is the last year. I can't remember what the other ones were. You got America's hottest sex line. Oh, shit. <laughs> we got, Those used to be 1-900 numbers. It was the first 888, and then it took you to the 900s. Okay. And, and it was, we got more people calling, you know, bitch. We had never, I'd never heard of an 888. 800 numbers were new, were not giant corporations having them, right? You're talking back early 80s or nah, mid 80s. People that websites were just coming out. You know, we were, I, I, there was only a handful of us that had websites. And then to have an 800 number, you know, I was fuck, I never heard of an 888, but I had plenty of people call and ask me if it was my, some sort of, if I thought it was funny that they did that or, you know, it's kind of like my fly names. They act like I'm going to pervert the entire fucking world because of a, a fly <laughs> name. And I'm like, dude, it's an 800 number. What are you talking about? I'm paying for this number. What are you talking about? And they, then they tell me that he dialed 888. It's, uh, good luck with that, which it also tells me you're surfing for something else. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got busted, asshole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. What do you do? Oh, but yeah, just, awesome. anyway, anyway, if they go to slide in or yeah. gallop, they'll find me somehow. Awesome. There's lots of ways. And your books are not available on uh, that forbidden word. No. But you can get them from your shop. And I've got them sitting over here. And, and most, and a lot of fly shops carry all my books and uh, just not that A word. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they don't. Uh, I think right now, you know, books, everybody said books were going to go away. I don't think they have. It's been a, I'm glad to see Pratt finally put something on this hook. Yeah. Is that that cat? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> went, went down and shaved Garfield and put that one on. <laughs> yeah, the uh, books are available through us or or in a lot of fly shops, Gary. Yeah. I, well, uh, our local fly shops have all your books too and everything yeah. else. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, the, the, the website's awesome. I, when I went on there, I was, I was looking around. You, you guys have done an incredible job with the building of that website and the ease of access and everything else. So. Thank you. Yeah, it's under, it's a new development. It's just basically coming out. It's going to get a major overhaul here in the two weeks. It's right now in a proto site. Okay. And then the new one's going to be even easier. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. Be exciting. John, yeah. do you have... Hey. Huh? Say again. You, oh, you, you got yeah. No, you got, got anything what hey, before we cut Kelly off, you got anything yeah. else? <laughs> yeah. Uh dude, just really thanks for so much for coming on, man. I'm I'm I know it probably don't mean shit to you, but it uh, means a lot to me. I'm gonna come back. This was more fun than usual. <laughs> <laughs> Talking shit's just my game. Yeah. No, we can we can do this. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, it was a it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for answering my questions, uh, mm-hmm. especially on that the jerk strip. Now, mm-hmm. now I don't feel like I was all fucked up. I mean, I was all fucked up, but no, no, I understand. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. And it, like I said, if you want to do it again and techniques, have people, I, you got questions. I don't, I'll do it anytime. Oh, yeah, I, I love it. I got to talk bass fishing. I want somebody to understand what I was saying. 
<laughs> that was that was the goal. Jerk yeah. bait. What the hell's a jerk bait? <laughs> yeah. Well, there, this this was all premeditated just to let you and, know. I mean, yeah. in all honesty, we were like, we're not going to talk about trout and shit. We're going to talk about like that's bass fine with and, me. Bass I mean, fishing, but if you think about that's why you know the jerk strip. That's where that word comes from, and it was mostly because I was watching Larry Nixon walking the dog, and I he was that's when he started. And he was running some jerk baits. And I thought that's it's got to be it's got to that jerk's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> used to, you know, people that know me say, "God, you're so lucky you got a retrieve named after you." So, <laughs> awesome. Uh, oh well, cool. Kelly. Thank pleasure. you so much, man. What a pleasure to have you on. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, we will have you back on now that now that oh. you've said like, hey, I'll come back on. What we'll do next time is we'll find more shit talking stories. Number one, so we'll, we'll, we'll go dig through the the history of Kelly Gallup and we'll figure something out. But it was the seventies. I needed the money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we'll also we'll, we'll we'll dream up some more wild technique stuff that none of the other podcasters ask you. I, I listened to one podcast with you, and the guy's like, "Oh, the the blonde flowing, you know." golden locks going down and you're like what the fuck what? was that i was like this this guy this guy is it i got that's it this guy's it he's the oh, man that was that was uh I, shit, I don't that was a good one yeah that was matt that was matt's podcast yeah, matt's, yeah. i don't i hear i've heard some shit that just <laughs> it's all good with me yeah. i'm a perfect politician because i really don't care <laughs> well, we'll go we'll go talk shit anyways so uh, um, cool. but yeah. um john you want to run through the sponsors and uh, i'll take us out yeah absolutely let me make sure i don't fuck this up this time this episode <laughs> of working class fishing was brought to you by 317 flies max and outfitters lid rig angry rooster fly company and morris fly Co. go check out our sponsors they've got a lot of discount codes for you help you save money um if you've got any questions uh They'll be down in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of Brian or myself, uh, you can do that through Working Class Fish at Gmail. You can do it through our Instagram, Facebook, um, all, all those other social media platforms. Feel free to reach out and give us a holler, and uh, we'll get back to you. And uh, Kelly, just thanks again for coming on, man. My pleasure, man. Talk to you guys. All right. You got them all from John. Once again, Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about this podcast also. They're not going to want to miss it. So thank you. Hope everybody has a great day. Thanks, guys.